0: Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast. She Reads Truth creates beautiful, accessible Bible reading plans and resources to help you get into God's Word every day. Each week here on the podcast, we talk about what we're going to read together as a community this week. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host,
1: Amanda Bible-Williams. And welcome to week two of our Lent series. We are reading, for the first time as a She Reads Truth community, the books of First and Second Chronicles together. We had our friend Lisa Harper with us last week, and this week we have our new friend Kristen Ainsworth. Kristen is a woman who runs hard after the Lord and reads His Word. You're going to get to hear a little bit about her Bible reading journey, and I think it's going to encourage you. She was also just such a good person to begin these chapters and chronicles that tell this history of Israel and of God's people. It was so fun, so encouraging. I think you're really going to enjoy getting to know Kristen just like we did. Let's get right to it.
0: Well, Kristen, I am so excited to have you. Welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast. Thank you. What a joy to be here. I think that I'm excited for a number of reasons. I always love meeting new people, making new friends, where our first conversation is talking about Scripture. Yes. I also love—I mean, last week we got to gather with an old friend to talk about Scripture with Lisa Harper. But I think one of the reasons, Kristen, I'm so excited to have you On is not just your passion for God's word, for scripture, but specifically, I know about you that you have a passion for Old Testament narratives. That's right. Like historical Mm. narratives. And that's where we are. We are, I mean, we are in Lent, the season Mm. of Lent, which we can talk about for a minute. But Kristen, tell me what you love about historical narratives.
2: You know, I have always been someone who just loves stories. And I'll give you a little history. When I was in college over 20 years ago now, I had never read through the Bible, never really been in Bible study. I'd just been in Sunday school, so I knew a lot of stories from the Bible, which certainly included a lot of Old Testament stories, but didn't really know how to see them all as one big story. And in college, I decided that I was going to read through the book of Joshua. I don't remember why I made that decision, but I sat down and, and read it in one sitting and can still remember where I was in my dorm room when I thought, I don't know what to do with this, all of this killing and mm. and it being not just okay with the Lord, but commanded by the Lord. And I didn't have a place in my brain to put those stories. I didn't yeah. have a big picture story, like categories for something like that. And I didn't know what to do with it. And so I thought, well, I'll just stick with the New Testament. And so for many years, I really only read devotionally out of the New Testament and. 2015, I got my first study Bible, actually Christmas 2014. And I thought, okay, January, I'm going to start reading straight through. And I, at that point, really had developed just such a passion for the Word of God. And so I wanted to read it straight through. And it was at that point reading straight through the Bible that I thought, oh my, these stories are incredible. And this is my history, our history as God's people, as believers. And and I'm part of this story, and and so mm-hmm. seeing it as one whole story that God has created, like there's you know a one liner in our reading for this week where David says, "You Lord have done all of these things, like you've done these great things," uh-huh. and I, I love that line, and just thinking like He's done this whole thing, He wrote this whole story, and He invited us into it, and <laughs> and so the miracles and these incredible men and women of faith, and the. Good guys and the bad guys, right? The good versus Mm -hmm. evil greatness of this story. I just get caught up in it every time. And without fail, every time I go back to the beginning and start over and read back through the Old Testament, I'll come across stories in these narratives and think, okay, how did I not remember this before now? Like, how did I never (laughs) notice this? Like, because there's (laughs) just so many, it's so rich and there's so many wonderful nuggets throughout the Old Testament. So it's just my favorite place to land always and forever. I just love it. I love that. Ah, That's so fun. And
1: Kristen, that's so encouraging because I know there are women listening who aren't sure what to do with the Old Testament Mm -hmm. in that same way of just feeling like this feels like... I'm missing some context. Mm. It feels like I don't—like very foreign to my lived experience. Sure. And so, you know, we tend to hang out more in the New Testament. And I just think it's a testimony to God's kindness and how He's not in a hurry. Mm. You know, like He was working in your life and through His Word— like on his schedule. Yeah. And how I mean, if you came to really begin to dig into the old testament, I mean, that was just eight years ago. Right. Not even, you know? And I love that your story that you're sharing is one of my curiosity was piqued and I eventually started to lean in and now it's become something that you truly love. So I love that story and that thing that David said. I drew like a box around it because I just loved the way it was worded in the CSB. It says, "Lord, you have done this whole great thing, whole
2: great thing. That's right. <laughs> that's like,
1: like I feel like that's the subtitle of First and Second Chronicles. That's Lord, right. You have done this whole great thing, whole
2: great thing. I like that. Mm-hmm. Isn't it good?
0: Yeah, I so love that. <laughs> good. Uh, I'm excited about this week's reading. Just personally, I I really enjoyed preparing for this week, and I bet you guys did too. But like, there's just now moving out of genealogies, which, boy, y'all, if you missed that episode last (laughs) week with Lisa Harper, I like strongly encourage you to go back and listen to that one because you will, I would venture to say, never think about the genealogies in the book of First Chronicles the same way ever again. As Lisa said to us, off mic after the fact, she said, no, 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 no. Like, that's the thing about genealogies; it is a sermon, not a census. Uh Like, Uh it is just like there's just so much sermon in here, and don't miss it. But coming back to what I was saying, I'm glad that we are where we are because we're going to get some really good historical narrative. But specifically, I love the little moments in here where David is dialoguing with the Lord and the way that he does that in a, like— all right, you've made this comfortable, like you've made yourself a person that I can come to and talk to, and so that's right. I guess here goes. <laughs> <laughs> that's here right. goes. So we are starting in chapter ten mm-hmm. with the death of Saul and his sons, and kind of going in that same day into chapter eleven, David's anointing as king. But before we get to eleven, I know that like all of this is just us going like, what did we see? What did we learn? Yeah, like what was new? What questions this, do we have? This is unscripted, and I think that like. On the first page, in chapter 10, right at the end, you know, verse 13, I'll read it for Uh y'all. It says, Saul died for his unfaithfulness to the Lord because he did not keep the Lord's word. He even consulted a medium for guidance, but he did not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. And like, even just like that one little line, I was just like, and Amanda's got it noted too, like, what are we consulting like what or maybe we don't go like crystal ball, right? But like what are all well, of the things do. that I'm consulting yeah.
2: instead of God? Yeah, I wrote a note several times through here, this idea of David inquiring of the Lord and it's setting up this comparison with Saul who yeah. didn't. And yes. mm-hmm. and not only did David inquire of the Lord, as we'll see through prayer, but also right. in God's written word and the Torah that He was That's inquiring right through prayer and through the Word. And what a beautiful model for us and God's desire for us to do the same, to come to His Word and to Him in prayer, to inquire of Him. And not only is it—I mean, there's great devastation in Israel because Saul didn't. He was not just yeah. a person who didn't, but a leader who didn't. And that's just a heavy word of warning, I think, to mm-hmm. to those mm-hmm. of us who are are reading this and, and on this side of, of that story.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's just
2: so challenging to
0: any one of us. And every one of us who I think we just like, as a culture, like we want to better understand ourselves, better know ourselves, how, like, what makes me tick? What are my fears? Whatever it is. And we get so navel-gazy about like, how do I understand myself better? And going like, no, 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 no. I don't think that's the point. I think the point is how do we understand the Lord better? How do we seek him? Like this like seeking first ourselves is a real mm. temptation. Sure. And I think that like it was just this like good reminder for me of just like, no, 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 seek first the Lord and his kingdom. That's mm-hmm. great. That's really good. And our identity, that's also where our identity
1: is found. That's I mean, exactly we talked right. about that last week about that our identity as God's people mm-hmm. and um children of God. And I think that is such a good distinction, Kristen, that you make between like that David inquired of the Lord, Saul didn't. And the reason that matters so much, that's reflective of David's heart and his posture before the Lord, because God is the same God. Like the God of David is the God of Kristen and Rachel and Amanda. Mm -hmm. And this season is one where we remember that there is a standing invitation to us to draw near and to repent and to experience you know, what scripture calls is like the refreshment that comes mm. with repentance and the joy that comes with repentance. And we don't think of repentance often in that way. We think it, of it as sort of a sad or, or somber thing, which, which it, it, I mean, there's an element of that, right? But ultimately this is repentance toward a restored relationship with the Lord. And so this, effort of, in the season of Lent, this remembering the story, the story of the gospel, the story of the Bible, the story of redemption, and to know that, like you said at the beginning, that we're part of this story. Mm-hmm. And there is such power and also just such necessity <laughs> mm-hmm. to remembering remembering that.
0: Yeah. 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 It's beautiful. I think that The narratives we've said are just so good and rich in in this section. And eyebrow raising. If you did, you know, even though we agree that the genealogies are a sermon and not a census, there is this like sweet relief of coming to this place where there are like, like if it was like a book of bedtime stories, Mm -hmm. like you're going to get Benaiah killing a lion in a valley on a snowy day, you know, (laughs) or like Mm -hmm. why they call it the City of David. You're going to get the guy that killed 300 men with one spear, like – It's something. Or like the guy's going to get David water and he was like, thank you. I was so thirsty, but I'm not going to drink this because you You risked your your life. (laughs) I was like, but that's why you should. But it feels Uh like they've wasted this energy. It's a hop and good time. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. Scripture, it's a, a hop, hop in and good time. time. And listen to this. There's even poetry. This the
1: this is in First Chronicles twelve about how the people started turning to David, like defecting and turning toward um, and supporting David. But there's just this line about. The warriors, their faces were like the faces of lions, and they were swift as gazelles on the mountains. Mm. And I was like, Well, that is just beautiful. Like there really is all manner of things. Yeah, yeah. In Chronicles. Like we get um, another
0: odd possible subtitle. First Chronicles, all manner of things. All manner (laughs) of things something for everyone.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And the spirit, did y'all see the spirit? I did. Spirit showing up. Not as if he was absent. Yes, at any point. In First Chronicles 12, 18, then the spirit envelops. That's right. And mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. Trinity. It is beautiful. <sighs> That's my big takeaway. Trinity.
0: Let's read one of these stories. Like, we're, yeah. we keep going, like, guys, there's so many good stories. There are. You're um, going to have a great time. I mean, there's the one in chapter 12, verse 38. Well, leading up to that, like, we started to number, like, David's soldiers. Mm-hmm. And it is—I I—I got out my calculator. You know I did. Mm-hmm. Like, it totals—and it's just, like, all the tribes going, like, it's time for David to be king. Like, Saul is dead. Like, we're—let's—let's let's go. Like, it is time, and, like, we are in support of this. And so every tribe's going, like, hey, I've got 6,800 guys. I've got 4,600 guys. I've got 120,000 guys. And the total is 339,600 Plus, wow, warriors! Like, think about that. Wow. That is not far from a half of a million people because it's also the one thousand two hundred twenty-two commanders, and a lot of it's like and their families. So, like, mm-hmm. who knows yeah. how big this is? But like, this is a huge number of people all going. Let's go! And then you get to verse thirty-eight. And it says all these warriors lined up in battle formation came to Hebron wholeheartedly determined to make David king over all Israel. I I love this Mm -hmm. history. Mm -hmm. All the rest of Israel was also of one mind to make David king. They spent three days there eating and drinking with David, for their relatives had provided for them. In addition to their neighbors from as far away as Issachar, Zebulun, and Naphtali, came and brought food on donkeys, camels, mules, and oxen, abundant provisions of flour, fig cakes, raisins, wine, and oil, herds, and flock. Indeed, there was joy in Israel. Mm -hmm. Like, this is like, let's write about this. Let's Mm -hmm. make sure that as we're as the chronicler as we call the writer of yeah. first chronicles like as that person sat down to go like what's important yeah indeed yeah. there was joy in israel yeah the and unity like it makes me think of like the high priestly prayer of mm-hmm. like like make them one as you and i are one father mm-hmm. like this feels like one of those moments
2: yeah it's as if they're all coming together with one heart and yeah. mind i think one of the things that i kept thinking throughout is how David is like reestablishing the people of God, like setting new DNA for what the kingdom under his leadership is going to look like. That's right. And again, that comparison with what it looked like under Saul. And so under David, there is such a marking of joy. And we'll see, and continuing Mm -hmm. through this week's reading, just such significant joy at the presence of God among the people, God dwelling among them. And Mm -hmm. as they worshiped Him, there was so much joy in that for them. And... I just love that. This part of the DNA of Israel moving forward, being marked by joy, joy in the Lord.
1: Yeah, yeah. and by song and dancing yeah. and instruments. Like, we see all of that, and it's it's worship, right? Like, it is right to worship the Lord. And hand in hand with that, there's joy. I love that sentence. Indeed, there was joy And even Israel.
0: right there on the day of—or at the end of day 8, Psalm 78— it says he chose David his servant and took him from the sheep pens he brought him from tending ewes to be shepherd over his people over Israel his inheritance he shepherded them with a pure heart and guided them with his skillful hands like you're exactly right Kristen like just kind of like it's going to be different now
2: yeah yeah i circled yeah. a pure heart there thinking yeah you know uh-huh. that's just such beautiful language
1: so we've already noted in reading Chronicles that there are some of David's stories, and notably the ones where he fails, yeah. that are not present in Chronicles. And it's not a like deceitful, like, well, we're just going to forget. Brush that, that under the rug. Yeah, like that, that didn't really matter or that didn't really happen. It's not that. The purpose of this book for its audience and for us now, but for its audience was to anchor God's people in mm-hmm. their identity and who they are and who God is and what it means to be the people of God and they in David this king is a foreshadow of the coming king right? right the one whose throne will last forever and so it is a taste of what's to come yeah of the one whose heart is Holy pure. Yeah, That's right. right.
0: And in many ways, like the headline of this story isn't, let me remind you of your unfaithfulness. The headline of this story is, let me remind you of my faithfulness. Let's get yeah. Hey, friends pressing pause on this great conversation for just a second to remind you of something that you might already know but just being a good friend here and making sure you do now you've probably heard amanda or i or one of our guests talk about the study books that we have in our hands and they are physical books that our team produces they're gorgeous they're fantastic all of the scriptures all in one place and you may be thinking to yourself would love that not practical for my life or would love that but the plans already started and i feels like it would take too long for it to ship to me So this is just me telling you that there is a really great backup option. Shearing's Truth also offers digital study books and, for guys, legacy books. And that means that you are getting all the same content as in a printed book, but it's just digital. So if you are a minimalist, if you don't want to wait for it to come in the mail, or if you consider yourself a digital nomad, or if you just want the chance to be able to increase the font size and kind of customize that a little bit, Honestly, digital study books might be perfect for you. So I want to encourage you to go browse the library, go check out the book that we're talking about right here in this episode, and find out for yourself how convenient and wonderful it can be to use a She Reads Truth digital study book. Head to shopshereadstruth.com slash digital, and you'll find a great library of options right there. Okay, back to the show.
1: Y'all, we're going to need to talk about this art. Situation.
0: I'm ready. Mm-hmm. We've got
1: some furniture moving to do. <laughs> yes. David's like, wait which a minute. Which immediately
0: makes me think of Ross with the sofa on the stairs. <laughs> pivot. Uh, which, is the which is not the way the arc
1: was handled. <laughs> yes. No. No, but I do appreciate any time we have the occasion to say a, a Ross pivot. Yeah. It happens a lot <laughs> in our friendship. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Let's read the story.
1: All right. <laughs> yes, let's do, let's do, let's do.
2: David consulted with all his leaders, the commanders of hundreds and of thousands, and he said to the whole assembly of Israel, If it seems good to you, and if this is from the Lord our God, let's spread out and send the message to the rest of our relatives in all the districts of Israel, including the priests and Levites in their cities with pasture lands, that they should gather together with us. Then let's bring back the ark of our God, for we did not inquire of Him in Saul's day, since the proposal seemed right to all the people, the whole assembly agreed to do it. So David assembled all of Israel from a few different places to bring the <laughs> ark of God <laughs> from mm-hmm. kiriath Jerem. I don't know how to say that. David and all Wouldn't Israel went to Bala, that is the same place, kiriath jerem that mm-hmm. belonged to Judah to take back from there the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord who is enthroned between the cherubim. At Abinadab's house, they set the ark of God on a new cart. Uzzah and Ahoyo were guiding the cart. David and all Israel were dancing with all their might before God with songs, and with lyres, harps, tambourines, cymbals, and trumpets. When they came to the Chidon's threshing floor, Uzzah reached out to hold the ark because the oxen had stumbled. Then the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah, and he struck him dead because he had reached out to the ark. So he died there in the presence of God. David was angry because of the Lord's outburst against Uzzah. So he named that place Outburst Against Uzzah, as it is still named today. David feared God that day and said, How can I ever bring the ark of God to me? So David did not bring the ark of God home to the city of David. Instead, he diverted it to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath. The ark of God remained with Obed-Edom's family in his house for three months and the Lord blessed his family and all that he had.
0: This is the word of the Lord. Wow. wow thanks
1: be to God. What a turn of events. Yeah. I mean, they are dancing with all their might mm. with songs. And I mean, it's loud and joyful. And we are celebrating. Tons of unity, like whole assembly is in unity here. Yeah. Yeah. And then this very important note. That's right. What do y'all make of this I have lots of exclamation points. I know this story. It had been a while since I had read it, mm-hmm. and I know this is not the only place well, that it's in, in Scripture, which is important.
0: Here's what I'll say. We first looked to Scripture to interpret Scripture. Having read all of the reading for this week, you'll find, as y'all listening read, that when you get to day 10 in chapter 15, you're going to read more, and we're actually going to tag back to that, and you're going to of get a little bit of information that might give us some context. In fact, right here in chapter 15, right around verses 11 and 12, David's gathering all of the priests of Israel, and he's going, all right, you are the heads of the Levite families. You and your relatives must consecrate yourselves so that you may bring the ark of the God of Israel to the place I prepared for it. For the Lord our God burst out in anger against us, because you Levites were not with us the first time— for we didn't inquire of him about the proper procedures. So the priests and the Levites consecrated themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. Then the Levites carried the ark of God the way Moses had commanded, according to the word of the Lord, on their shoulders with the poles. We also know that this account first appears in, I think... In Second Samuel. 2 Samuel. And so... When you come into something like this where you're like, that doesn't seem reasonable, Lord. Like, why right. would—he was just trying to help. Sure. Should I beware of, like, catching things when they're falling? Does that show that I'm not trusting? That is not the takeaway here. And so that's why, like, There is
1: context here.
0: Reading, and, like, we have this, like, happens, like, with this story, we actually have the benefit of, like, this account— you know, showing up in several places in scripture. So you can kind of go, David, he understood. He was upset, mm-hmm. but he went, Well, we didn't do it the way that God said it. We didn't do it with the people that God said it. We did not have men carrying the ark. We had oxen carrying the ark. Like there are a lot of things at play here. And the moral of the story isn't if something's falling, don't catch it. Or that God is temperamental. Or that God is temperamental. Right. I think mm-hmm. that's a good. Thing to say, too. Mm -hmm. It is—and David said it. He said, we did not seek the Lord,
2: and we didn't do things Mm -hmm. away by God's design. That's right. Mm -hmm. David is learning about God, about His commands and decrees, and about the importance of following them. He's learning about God's character and nature in this, that He has set up and revealed His ways. When He gave these commands through Moses and Leviticus, that He's provided for them the way to do things. That That's honors right. his holiness, that is in constant recognition of his holiness and this fear of the Lord that we know that David has along the way at different times that Saul seemed not to have had this absence of fear of the Lord. And so right, yeah. he is fearing the Lord. It says that in this section of scripture here and yeah. and God teaching him through that, teaching his people his ways so that he can continue to be among them, to dwell among yeah. them. yeah. Yeah. And
0: it's just interesting to see, like, the details of, like, the setting of the stage of this. All of the assembly was in unity. They were dancing. They were worshiping. And then they acted outside of a very specific thing that God said to do. Mm -hmm. Like, if he said, only the priests do this, and it is carried by men, not animals. Like, even when they're in unity, I mean, like, I feel like to me, like, that was like, okay, like, that can happen in churches. Like, that happens to us. Of and, course it does. Like, it yes. does happen in churches. And to go, like, just because they have a great worship service, just because we have, like, this unity and agreement on things doesn't mean that we shouldn't be constantly seeking the Lord both in His Word and in prayer. Yeah, and both individually and corporately. Yes, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And, like, and because it, we otherwise, like, we're on the risk of falling outside of
1: what God is supposed us to do. Yeah, well, in Second Samuel 6... And tells the story, it says, because of his irreverence, Mm. he was struck. And so there is something, there's more going on here with Uzzah, and we can trust God to know that this was a severe violation. Mm -hmm. What may have looked like a, I'm just going to study that, Mm -hmm. was something more. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah.
0: And that Uzzah knew what he was doing. Yeah. 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 And still, it's like a—but this type of story, Kristen, is like you were saying, like, I was reading Joshua, you know, and going, like, I can't make this work in my brain. That's right. It makes me grateful for the whole of Scripture so that we can have the context Mm -hmm. where if we're just reading this one thing and going, like, I don't get it. That's right. Like, we just have to, like, big picture learn, like, even if it's not like, well, that that rule was clearly outlined elsewhere— Even if it's just, what does all of Scripture tell me about the character of God? Right, Who He is? What is expected of me? In all of those things, so often a smaller line or passage that we struggle to reconcile is often very much
2: reconciled when we look at the big Mm -hmm. picture, unchanging character of God. Yeah, that's a great reminder. And you know, I think for Mm -hmm. us, when hard things happen that are hard to understand, and we know that in God's providence He allowed it, yeah. And that he is sovereign over those really hard things. We have that same wrestle. Like, what am I supposed to do about this? What, like, mm-hmm. what do I do here? And what we see in David yes. is that even though he didn't understand and even though he was angry, which we would say, of course he was angry. Like, this is one of his right. guys. Of course he's angry. And yeah, they've been dancing and celebrating. And like, what on earth? It's so sideswiping, right? Mm, it's right. like it came out of nowhere. And yet, he goes to the Lord. He goes back to inquire of the Lord. And we know that because He comes back and says, we didn't do this right the first time. Levites, y'all were supposed to be here. This is your role. Consecrate y'all. Consecrate yourselves. You've been chosen by the Lord for this work. And then He empowers them to do that. He gives them what they need. And then there's great rejoicing. So much joy in Israel again. And then it's true joy and lasting joy because they are back in relationship with the Lord. That's not Mm -hmm. Nothing is separating them because they're doing things according to His design. And worshiping right. him as he's asked to be worshiped. Yeah. Yes, that's yes. right.
0: There's another little section on day nine in chapter 14. There are so many stories, and I know that we really do need to be choosy about which ones we read, but there is this little series of maybe 11 verses where David's going to battle and inquiring of the Lord. And mm-hmm. it's another one that just feels like, I don't know, can we take the time to read it? Amanda, do you want to read this Why one? Why not? Maybe We're starting right here in verse eight. Sure. Chapter 14. First Chronicles 14,
1: starting in 8. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, they all went in search of David. When David heard of this, he went out to face them. Now the Philistines had come and raided in Rephaim Valley. So David inquired of God, Should I attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? Hmm. The Lord replied, Attack, and I will hand them over to you. So the Israelites went up to Baal perazim and David defeated the Philistines there. Then David said, like a bursting flood, God has used me to burst out against my enemies. Therefore, they named that place the Lord bursts out. <laughs> the Philistines abandoned their idols there, and David ordered that they be burned in the fire. Hmm. Once again, the Philistines raided in the valley. So David again inquired of God, and God answered him, Do not pursue them directly. Circle around them and attack them opposite the balsam trees. When you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then go out to battle, for God will have gone out ahead of you to strike down the army of the Philistines. So David did as God commanded him, and they struck down the Philistine army from Gibeon to Gezer, then David's fame spread throughout the lands, and the Lord caused all the nations to be terrified of him. I mean, that is divine favor
0: mm. That's if right. I've ever yeah. seen it.
1: I wrote the word favor a lot as I was reading in these chapters, mm-hmm. and just like, the Lord is just going before and yeah. blessing and doing what He said He would do.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I love that on the same page in the book, you guys included Psalm 21, and mm-hmm. these words Lord, the king finds joy in your strength, how greatly he rejoices in your victory. And thinking, yes. I, it made me think like, okay, the Lord was sidelined in some ways by Saul. Saul didn't inquire of the Lord. He didn't want to know what God had to say about things. And yeah. David's inviting him in. Tell me, Lord, right. what do you want me to do? Is it going to work out? And then he does that over and over. I, I love That's one of the things yes. I love about David is this inquiring of the Lord, especially as it relates to going against their enemies. The enemies yes, of God. Yeah. And so I just made this note like I wonder if the Lord's just really excited to be back in relationship with the king of his people. Yeah. Who's inviting <laughs> him in yeah. and asking yeah. him? Tell us what to do. Like we're here for it. And I just yeah, I, it just was, I don't know, like so heartwarming to think of like how the Lord felt when David invited him in and started asking him these questions, inquiring of him. Mm, I love that he wants to
1: give good gifts. You know, like yeah. this is who God is. And in Psalm 21, it's all about God's power, God's strength, what God does, what God gives. Yeah. And I think you're right, Kristen. Like the not that God is rendered somehow impotent by us, but the inviting in yeah. of like I forget my own strength. I want you to be strong Mm -hmm. in me.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, verse 7 from chapter 21, Mm -hmm. for the king relies on the Lord (laughs) through the faithful love of the Most High. He is not shaken. And then down in 13, be exalted, Lord, in your strength. Mm -hmm. We will sing and praise your might. Mm -hmm. Because
1: if you think about leaders today— and you were to look at this verse 1, the king finds joy in your strength, mm. Lord. I mean, generally speaking, a king would find joy in his own strength. Sure. Mm-hmm. And not even necessarily always in like a bad way. Like if you're a king and you have authority and you you have to exercise that authority on behalf of your people. But it just is so counter to say the king finds joy in your strength mm-hmm. and he rejoices in your victory. Mm-hmm.
0: Even verse 5, his glory, the king's, is great through your victory, That's God. Right. You confer majesty and splendor on him. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's beautiful. I love it.
2: Yeah, later in this week's reading in chapter 15, mm-hmm. there's this message of help. And it's referring to the Levites mm-hmm. carrying the Ark of the Covenant, but it's because the Lord helped them and with God's help. And yes, I just kept thinking, I like, the Lord—all through this week's reading, we see that, like, the Lord wants to help. He wants to help yes. David. He wants to help his armies. He wants to help get the ark into Jerusalem. And yeah, I just love yeah. that, knowing that God wants us to ask for His help. He wants to help us. Mm-hmm. It's repeated, you know, in that verse. Mm-hmm. It's like, because
1: God helped the Levites who were carrying the ark— of the covenant of the Lord, with God's help, they <laughs> sacrifice seven bulls and seven rams. It almost yeah. seems like redundant, but I like it. I yes. like that it is. Yes. Again, in that same section, there's just so much worship. There's singing. There's like I love there's that a there's psalm like in a, the
0: middle of First Chronicles. Yeah. And yeah. there's
1: like a worship leader mm-hmm. who is to direct the music because he was skillful. Like it's mm-hmm. just there's so much celebration. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot in David's Psalm of Thanksgiving is beautiful. Yeah. We love David's poetry, right? Yep. But there's a lot of remembering and proclaiming, which is kind of one of our themes in Lent. In the Lenten season is to remember who God is, remember who we are, remember why we need Jesus, to repent and to proclaim yeah the salvation of the lord and that he is who he says he is and he keeps his promises and i see that rhythm of remembering and proclaiming in mm-hmm. this psalm of David's.
0: we turn the page to chapter 17 on day 11 of this week and you know it says verse 1 when david had settled into his palace he said to the prophet nathan look i'm living in a cedar house while the ark of the lord's covenant is under tent curtains and he goes on he's like i think i need to build a temple yeah. You know, and he's talking to Nathan, and Nathan, you know, goes to the Lord. Like, But this whole thing of just, like, I want to, like, voluntarily offer these things. But even in that, like, he needed the Lord to go, like, I'm still in charge here. Like, mm-hmm. I'm still in charge. And I love the Lord's response. He says in verse 6, "...in all my journeys throughout Israel have I ever spoken a word to even one of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people, asking, why haven't you built me a house of cedar?" Like, he's just going—and then it just goes, like, there's actually something even bigger at play here, and it is Mm -hmm. not about a dwelling place on earth, like, at least not yet. Mm. Like, there is a dwelling place that, like, hold on, it's about to get good. Yeah. And so I'll read some more of that. I know that y'all listening, there are many of you who are familiar with this and many of you who are not, but it is such a sweet read because— We read it in Advent a lot. We do. In verse—kind of verse 10, Furthermore, I declare to you that the Lord himself will build a house for you. When your time comes to be with your ancestors, I will raise up after you your descendant, who is one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. I will not remove my faithful love from him, as I removed it from the one who was before you. I will appoint him over my house and my kingdom forever." And his throne will be established forever. Mm -hmm. And then Nathan reported all these words from God to David. But it's, I mean, this of course is Jesus that that God is talking about.
1: Well, it's Solomon is going to build the temple. Yes. And it's a both, right? It's a
0: Solomon exclamation point, Jesus exclamation (laughs) point. (laughs) Yeah. I see him in your margins. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: how would y'all have responded to that? Because I feel like I would have been maybe disappointed that I didn't get to do this thing Mm -hmm. that I wanted to do. But I feel like David's response, it almost feels like he feels free, like freedom and gratitude, because he just goes on to say a bunch of really beautiful words of Thanksgiving.
0: This is the moment that I was talking about earlier in the episode where I was like, and then David just kind of goes, all right, Lord, if we're going to like thank you for the invitation to just talk to you. And it's just such a Mm -hmm. sweet, almost plain spoken. Kristen, will you read starting in verse 16 through 22? Because like this is such a sweet... David talking to God.
2: Mm. Then King David went in, sat in the Lord's presence, and said, Who am I, Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? This was a little thing to you, God, for you have spoken about your servant's house in the distant future. You regard me as a man of distinction, Lord God. What more can David say to you for honoring your servant? You know your servant. Lord, you have done this whole great thing making known all these great promises for the sake of Your servant and according to Your will. Lord, there is no one like You, and there is no God besides You, as all we have heard confirms. And who is like Your people Israel? God, You came to one nation on earth to redeem a people for Yourself, to make a name for Yourself. Through great and awesome works, by driving out nations before Your people, You redeemed from Egypt." You made your people Israel, your own people forever. And you, Lord, have become their God. And he goes on. It's just, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, this beautiful covenantal language. And back to your earlier question, Amanda, I think— you know, when David he loves his people so much, we see this great love for the people of God, even here, and the distinction of this people that God has chosen to be his people forever. And so I would imagine that at least part of him is just thrilled to know that the kingdom will continue to flourish under Solomon. Yeah. That like God's yeah. gonna keep doing it and God's making promises yes. in the future, maybe to confirm to David today I'm still going to be with them even when you are no yeah. longer here I will continue my faithfulness to my people that I have chosen That's is right. going to continue
0: That's This right. is bigger than you That prayer yeah. makes me like feel like a very sincere urgency to like run home to my cozy chair where I pray and like open this back up and pray that prayer to God mm, as yeah. me You know yeah. like even like Lisa Harper you know reminded us or told us last week like you are God's favorite, you know, mm-hmm. and it's because it is eternal and abundant and there is no lacking in being able every single one of us to be his favorite. But for me to curl up and talk to God who adores me and to go, who am I that you would mm-hmm. that you would love me the way that you already have right, and right. greater and, you.
1: And continue to do. Yeah. Yeah. This is where our, our book title comes That's from. Right. Where you made your people Israel your own people forever. And you, Lord, have become their God, and so that your people hmm. forever—that describes us, That's right? right? I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and y'all, you're gonna get to let's see. This is Thursday that we're on. Thursday, mm-hmm. you're gonna get to read from Romans, and you'll just straight arrow to Jesus, mm-hmm. who is the temple and who is mm-hmm. also the priest. So good that dot connecting.
0: Yeah. So so yeah. good. I was reading, finishing it, preparing last night, and so I was sitting in my living room reading day 12, and my husband walked through the room, and I was like, Ryan, did you know that Goliath had a brother? <laughs> I mean, like, you get that well, in chapter 12, like, uh-huh. the family of... Bible trivia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Philistine giants, and, like, so like, addresses, like, Goliath's family, and, like, the guy with the six fingers on each hand, six toes on each foot, 24 in total, and, like, It's not that great of a story, but it's interesting to me to go, like, I forget that, like, Goliath was a real guy. Like, that was not Uh
2: made up. Well, when I was talking to my son about it this morning, he's like, oh, my gosh, that's like Thor. And then he starts, like, you remember (laughs) remember that moment in Thor Ragnarok and he throws his hammer and it, like, kills, you know, and he's like, yeah, Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. Sure. I I mean, these guys for sure sound like Thor. And then he also is like, how big do you think their muscles were? Like, these mighty, how big do you, like, buddy, I mean, I'm sure they were real big. Yeah, <laughs> I mean,
1: judging from what we know, we can deduce that it is it is powerful. Big. Yeah, this story, First Chronicles nineteen story, which yeah. we we end this week with chapters nineteen and twenty, but it was just it reminded me kind of of today, like it's just like this crazy, like one political maneuver after the. The next and like misunderstood um, gestures yeah, and, and like yeah. how in the ripple effect of that, I mean it. It was everybody like, settled down. The thing of like. everybody settled down. Yes, but you know to also like look at that with a gospel lens and say, oh, like yes, all of this is happening, but there's this unseen realm. When we were in our life of Jesus study at the beginning of the year. I think it was Dave Lomas who was saying that, like, the thing about reading the Gospels is that the unseen realm plays such a role in what you're reading. And this, like, that it just feels so crazy political, like, gamemanship is actually like the Lord is still working and bringing his kingdom to bear. That's right. Through all the humans.
0: Through a messy story that feels like, oh, if y'all are just, like— Relax a little bit. This could have gone very differently. Well, and the haphazard is not haphazard. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Good. That's good. Something that I love, y'all, about this episode and this hour that we spent together is that we started by asking Kristen, "What do you like about historical narratives?" Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then we, of course, spent this time just unpacking, like, and going, like, "Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, what a joy." And even kind of like ending on that, like, sort of weird story, but like. I think it's important to, like, anchor down to what is the headline here? Like, and what is the point of these stories? Kristen, talk to us about, like, how would we kind of two things, like, kind of wrap up a little bit of this episode, but also really encourage our listeners toward reading for themselves this week.
2: Mm. You know, as we wrap up this episode, I just— I'm reminded of how on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, we have the account of Jesus telling these men walking, how all he walks through hmm. all of the scriptures and shows how they point to him. And right. one thing in our reading this week that I found just so beautiful and pointing forward to Jesus. And we know we know that we think of David as a prefiguring of Christ, a, a type of Christ. And in our last day of reading, First Chronicles 18, verse 14, it says, So David reigned over all Israel, administering justice and righteousness for all his people. And that phrase, mm-hmm. justice and righteousness, stuck out to me here on—kind of still on the heels of Advent and in yeah. Isaiah's prophecy about the coming Messiah— Isaiah 9, verse 7, which we all heard this over our Christmas holidays during Advent, of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne Mm -hmm. of David and over his kingdom, which we just read, the promise for Mm -hmm. David's kingdom and his throne to last forever, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. There's those words. Mm -hmm. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. If there's anything we've seen in this week's reading, it's that the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish His purposes. Nothing can thwart His purposes. And yet we have this beautiful future promise— that yes. This throne of David that we just read about, and we just saw God's beautiful promise, and we know that He's faithful mm-hmm. to bring it about, that He says He's going to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. And we know that David's justice and righteousness ruling over Israel was certainly imperfect. Certainly sure, imperfect. Yeah. But our future coming Messianic king will rule and reign with perfect justice, and perfect righteousness over our kingdom forever and ever. And of the increase of that government, there will be no end, yes. And it will be marked by peace. I mean, praise God. Oh my goodness. It will be yes. marked by peace. And so I would encourage our listeners by saying, if you have never read through the historical narratives, these stories of the people of God and the mm-hmm. prophets of God, it will enrich your life like you cannot imagine. Man, go for it. Like, yes, just go for it. Yes,
0: go for it, and we're right here with you. I mean, y'all. I'm going to abdicate my uh, podcast host seat and give it to Kristen.
1: It- <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel yeah. like you need to be over here, Kristen. I
0: love it. Oh, I, it. Well, I don't know about that. Go go run a lap, Chris right. Kane lap. I love it. <laughs> All right, well, friends listening, we are only at the start of week two of seven weeks of Lent. Seven weeks in First and Second Chronicles. This is going to be his good. I appreciated Kristen's invitation. We will be back next week with another episode of the podcast. But until next week, dear Kristen, what do we tell our friends listening?
2: Keep opening your Bibles.